T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Okay, good afternoon, and thank you for joining us. I'm Brian McCarthy from the National Football what, League. We are okay, we're going to get that question you taking in. the time. We wanted to continue the dialogue with you. We'll hear today from Jeff Miller, Dr. Sills, and Troy Vincent. Each of them will make opening remarks, and then we'll be able to take a couple of questions. I'll let you know how to uh, use the raise hand function, which you know how to do. Uh, the session is on the record, and audio and video may be used, and you're free to post in real time. Let's begin now with Jeff Miller. There we go. Uh, thanks, Brian. Uh, good afternoon or good morning, depending where you are. Hope everybody is well. Uh, start by saying that we continue uh, to keep DeMar Hamlin and his family in our thoughts um, as we have since, since the game. Um, no updates here on his medical status. The, the family and the club will continue to provide those uh, reports to you. Uh, we, we will not be talking about any details with regard to his medical situation or care today. That said, just want to take a moment before we turn it over to, to Alan just to talk about our gratitude for the medical professionals who have been working with Damar Hamlin over the last few days, both those in the hospital, the doctors, the nurses, the other experts who have been providing him um, expert care uh, for this period of time. And also, of course, the on-field medical staff, the on-field athletic trainers, both clubs, the independent doctors, the airway management physicians, uh, the EMTs, and everybody else who has trained and trained and trained again, um, both in their own professional lives, um, but also as part of our emergency action plans, which are in place in every stadium, to ensure when there are emergent events that those professionals, those highly expert professionals handle the situation in the best possible way. And I think we saw an example of that um, during this and we're of immense gratitude for the trainers and the doctors. And I mentioned the airway management physicians and the EMTs for their care for DeMar during the course of what was you know, a, a, an emergency on field. So uh, we'll continue to, of course, you know, work with him, the clubs, the medical staffs of both teams. Um, keep uh, DeMar foremost in our thinking as we make some uh, decisions going forward, uh, which certainly Alan and Troy can speak with in a moment. So with that as background, um, Alan, maybe you can take it from here on the medical side a little bit further. <clears throat> All right. Thanks, Jeff. Good afternoon. Good morning to everyone. I just want to add um, my own 
personal words of continued prayers uh, for Damar, for his family, for the entire Buffalo organization and everyone that's been affected uh, by this set of events um, as we move forward. I also want to echo and express my own thanks and really my admiration to the incredible team of, of healthcare providers and caregivers, um, starting in the moment on field with the medical staffs of Buffalo and Cincinnati. Um, as well as all of the independent medical personnel who are present, the airway doctors, the visiting team medical liaisons, the uh, unaffiliated neurotrauma consultants, the paramedics, everyone who acted together in that moment. And of course, the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, which is an outstanding trauma center and has taken the lead in providing care. Uh, it's certainly not an exaggeration to say that the skilled and the immediate response by all of these talented caregivers uh, prevented a very tragic outcome uh, at that moment. And certainly we never want to see events like this occur, but if there were to be a medical emergency, there was absolutely the right team with the right equipment and the right training on site able to provide care. Part of the response uh, that Jeff mentioned is preparation. And our preparation for these Situation starts many, many months before game day. There are really three E's that I would emphasize to you. The first is our emergency action plan. Every stadium and every training facility has a very detailed plan that describes for a variety of medical emergencies exactly what needs to happen. They describe the roles, the responsibilities, the necessary equipment, and the flow of care that needs to occur. And every club submits that emergency action plan to both us and to the Players Association. We have a jointly appointed expert, uh, Dr. Jim Ellis, who helps us review those. And those are detailed and, and very uh, important as part of that preparation. And it is something that is shared widely among clubs. So if a visiting team is coming in to play in a stadium, they have access to and are familiar with that emergency action plan. The second E is equipment. We obviously have all of the necessary equipment to support life-threatening emergencies, whether that be AEDs or defibrillators, uh, airway equipment, advanced uh, monitoring equipment. And not only is that equipment present at the stadium, but it's widely available at each club's training facility, not just on the practice field, but in the weight room and common areas. Every one of our clubs travels with this equipment, so it's with them on airplanes, in hotels, wherever they may go, so that we're prepared, again, to deal with just this exact type of cardiac emergency. And then the third E is an enhanced preparation. Every one of our clubs practices and drills on these exact scenarios every year before the season starts. They gather all of the emergency personnel and team medical personnel together. We have a third-party vendor who comes in and actually goes through real-time scenarios using mannequins and other simulators to practice these exact uh, situations so that we are absolutely prepared and know who needs to do what and how it needs to occur. And that includes not only cardiac events, but things like truncal trauma with hypotension and heat illness and, and uh, things of this like. So that is a program that's been in place for a number of years. Again, it's something that we in the Players Association prioritize, and it's part of what helps us prepare for these situations. I know there's been a lot of speculation about the cause of this situation, and, and I don't really want to address that in too much detail today because I think there's still a lot of investigation that needs to happen to understand that. Uh, many people have discussed this condition, commotio cordis, and it certainly is possible. But I think what more important is, regardless of the cause, the key in any type of sudden cardiac event is the, is the rapid response of trained personnel. And so I think the important lesson that we can all take away from this is really for every sport at every level, 
um, pre preparation for a sudden cardiac event, making sure that people have training and basic life support, that AEDs are available. Um, that is a very, very key message and something we can all learn from. The last thing I'd like to add is just the, the mental health aspect of this. I think it is certainly key that we acknowledge um, how great a strain this places on everyone involved, certainly the teams, the medical care providers, the staffs, and this is not just for Buffalo and Cincinnati, but across all our teams. And so, as all of you know, we have resources at each of our clubs and we've emphasized preparation in this, in this way. Our clubs have deployed those resources with their, with their counselors and their, and their mental health professionals. And that support extends throughout the entire NFL family and it will be an ongoing need. This is something that will continue and it's something we will continue to emphasize. So um, I'll stop there and turn over to Troy. Uh, thanks, Doc. Um, I had an opportunity just yesterday evening to kind of uh, get myself together and actually just relive uh, the moments of Monday night. And uh, my greatest fear had flashed in front of me at that particular moment. Uh, but, but for the goodness and grace of God, uh, DeMar is still here and he's still fighting. Uh, there's no playbook for managing like real-time drama and emotions associated with immediate life-threatening event that occurred on Monday night. While our game and I've been taught and guided by policy and best practices, There was only one policy in practice that mattered that evening. And that was the emergency action plan by those first responders. I left yesterday evening for the first time around eight and I had an opportunity to watch the video again for, I don't know, the 150th time. And Dr. Seals referenced this that emergency action plan was executed to perfection by individuals who rehearsed and practiced and trained for in-stadium health emergencies. And Dr. Seals and to the, the medical professionals, first responders, the physicians, the trainers, the EMTs, that evening was outstanding. You gave our brother DeMar another day to live, another chance to fight. And I think we all have to recognize the power of prayer from our coaches, players, the staff, and the fans that was in that stadium and the people watching from around the world. There is power in prayer. From the time that DeMar collapsed, which was approximately 8.55 that evening, all day Tuesday, the focus has just been on managing and coordinating the ongoing response efforts, <laughs> making sure that the players and the coaches in constant communication with the Players Association about those things that Dr. Seals has laid out. 
it's about the health and well-being of DeMar first and his family, but the emotional trauma that people witness on our field. And then I just, I just think it's just important for me just to share one more time, just to be clear. Um, and I apologize for if I was short, I don't know what that time was, 12.31 a.m. in the morning on Tuesday morning uh, when Jeff asked to share a few comments from that from that night, that evening. And I'm not sure who the, the actual journalist or reporter was, but I was asked a question about this return to play. And I, I, I'm not, I feel like I snapped or I was hasty in my answer, but I would like, I just want to be clear. Just that suggestion alone was inappropriate. It was insensitive. And frankly, it lacked both empathy and compassion for DeMar's situation, who is still in the woods and fighting for his life this day. It lacked complete, and, and it was just so insensitive to think that we were even thinking about returning to play. I just wanted to share that because it came up, and I think there's been a little bit of discussion. I don't know who said it, and I really don't care. But the only thing that mattered to myself, the team here, the folks in the stadium, and the, the coaches, was the health and wellness of DeMar. And getting those coaches back to the locker room so they can look their players in their eyes and see who they are. They were hurting. There was a lot of pain. And talking to the commissioner and communicating with everyone, it was just important. We, we just couldn't play. So I just wanted to share that. Uh, sorry I was a little long-winded. Um, but I just thought it was just appropriate. And obviously, I'm still living in this moment. So I appreciate you letting me share a couple thoughts here. Thank you, Troy, for those powerful words. To indicate you would like to ask a question, please use the raise hand function. Once called on, please unmute yourself and ask your question. Once again, please use the raise hand function. Okay, let's begin with Jarrett Bell, USA Today. Uh, hi, everybody. Um, I had a couple questions. One, um, could you give us an update on whether there's been any movement about actually officially canceling the game or doing something um, with, with regards to how it would affect uh, the standings and the seedings and, and where you may go with that? I know that Week 18 games, as, as mentioned yesterday, are, are all on tack. And the second question is for either Troy or Dr. Sills. Um, just wanting to have a little bit of more insight on the mental health support. Um, could either of you or both of you speak to um, what happens with counseling in a situation like this? Um, I, I imagine there's a wide range there, but if you can give us um, some insight on on what 
specifically the grief counselors may do with the bills as they go back to work this week? Thank Thank you. Jared, thanks for the questions. Uh, uh, Troy, maybe you and I can can tackle the first one, and then you and Alan can can talk a little bit about the second question. Um, as far as the first one goes, Jared, you, you saw the announcement yesterday that we were not going to play um, the game this week. So that conversation about what we do with that game has begun. Um, Troy, Commissioner, um, some of the rest of us are involved in those conversations, but they're ongoing. We have no announcement to make at this at this time. Uh, obviously, we're going to have to make a decision on that. Uh, in the coming days, which we will. Uh, but there's a lot of considerations in place there and a lot of people that we want to consult with, including the clubs involved, uh, before that decision is final. So that um, that that's where uh, those things uh, stand now. Troy, anything you want to add to that? Uh, from the from the scheduling standpoint, no, I think you hit it. And Jared, it was uh, uh, literally uh, all of the focus have been on DeMar and we have just begun and myself, frankly, to just um, think through and talk through you know, all of the, the different scenarios and, and where that game stands and when to play it, so on and so forth. So uh, we will be, that will all attention, most of attention will still be, will be focused on uh, getting answers out to, to your question for the, for the general public and also the clubs as well. So yeah, Jared, we're working, we're working hard on that now. Um, as far as the second question goes, uh, Alan, do you want to lead there? Troy, feel free to add too. Yeah, I'm happy to speak to that. So, Jarrett, you know, we spoke about that emergency action plan for for cardiac and, and heat illness emergencies. We also have mental health emergency action plans for all of our clubs, which, again, have been developed and submitted and reviewed. And so um, that's part of what um, is enacted in a situation like this. So each club will have a crisis response team that they've identified. Um, that certainly is going to include individuals such as their behavioral health counselor, um, their team chaplain, their director of player engagement, and, and a number of others, medical staff who are going to be in a support role. So each club has that plan in place and, again, has practiced that and, and has some degree of preparation. Um, obviously, every situation is unique, and, and each club is going to bring in different resources. But, again, this is something that that every club has prepared for and practiced in advance and, and is certainly put in place. And, and we at the league have worked with and been in communication with the Bills about how we can support that effort and bring resources in, again, not just for their players and their staff, but the families and, and the entire organization, because a situation like this is certainly impacts everyone in that organization. And as I mentioned, clubs around the league, we've been in contact with um, our clubs and making sure that they likewise um, feel supported and have a chance to um, activate those same resources, because the, it is a family. We often talk about the family, but there is a family and that family has been very close and probably closer to each other than ever before over the last several years dealing through the pandemic. And so we see this as an issue, not just for Buffalo or Cincinnati, but for that entire NFL family. Yes, yeah, so I would just add, Jared, an excellent question. Uh, this is one where immediately uh, it might have been around 3 a.m. that morning uh, working with uh, Dr. Yaka Lamptey, who oversees our total wellness and in coordination with Dr. Sills and his team, uh, this is where we, we we just remind, and this is not anything new, uh, what we've done. Dr. Sills referenced this. We practice this. The clubs are practicing this all the time. And these resources remain available 24 hours around the clock. And what we wanted to do is make sure that family members, teammates, uh, personnel, staff, um, not just of the two teams that were on the field, um, those that are at home watching, that they were available. Um, from, you know, confidential sessions, inpatient, outpatient, 
uh, using resources, whether you want to go to the Players Association, NFL, our partner here with Cigna on the behavioral health side, it was just really important that we sent out mass communications to all that witness that were inside of the NFL family on how do you access, what's available to you, uh, where can you go, and all the clubs were obviously ready to activate um, where where players choose or their family members choose to uh, pull on those resources. Next question comes from Chris from CBS Buffalo. Thanks, Brian. Uh, for Dr. Sills, you referenced that a lot of investigation is uh, going to be needed to determine why Damar went into cardiac arrest. Can you tell me what kind of assistance or involvement or information the league is providing to Damar's medical team uh, right now to help get to that answer and that point? Well, obviously, Chris, we want to provide any and all information that's that's necessary. And so um, the primary focus, as Troy mentioned, is on DeMar, his health and his caregivers. And so they, they are taking the lead in the role in his care, as they should. Um, and um, obviously, any information that they need from us, we're happy to provide. But um, but I think, again, anytime we have an emergency situation on our fields, we always do an after action review. So anytime we transport a player off the field or immobilize someone, we, we make a detailed review of that situation so that we can see what we can learn, if there's anything that we can do um, in terms of our response, prevention, so forth. So that will obviously occur here. I don't think now is the time and the place to get into that. Again, our total focus and energy and the total focus and energy of the medical team is on DeMar, his care and his recovery at this point. Um, there'll be another time and a place for getting into all of that uh, information. Next question. Lindsay Jones, The Ringer. Um, hi, you know, Troy, we've, uh, I guess this is, this is Troy for, for Troy, but, um, you know, we heard you today and also on Tuesday night, um, you know, talking about what happened, especially as it relates to that five minute warning. I'm hoping you could provide a little bit more clarity though about how that report got onto ESPN and whether it was relayed through the officials and maybe what the standard operating procedure is and if that might've been what the assumption was. Um, if you could just maybe take us through how that actually got onto air, because we've, we've heard ESPN side of it at this point. Sure. I'm not sure how it got on air, but that night, Lindsay, I was completely, my mic was completely open um, and talking to Sean. And at that time, I'm the center resource. I'm the center communicator talking to at the time, Sean Smith, who was the referee, who was now communicating with both head coaches at no time. At no time in my discussion in that hour-long time frame where did we ever even myself reference, and the mic is open, and there are multiple, multiple people um, that are um, receiving the information from me to give any directive, any directives to uh, getting players ready to play. The only directive that came from myself as the emergency team was on the field caring for DeMar was coach Sean Smith, who's the ref. I need you to get two of the, both of the coaches together and ask that they take their team to the locker rooms. We're going to suspend play. It is important that both coach Taylor and coach McDermott, because it was just raw emotions watching. And I thought it was extremely inappropriate for millions and millions of people 
to watch this raw emotion and as as the medical team tried to care for this young man, get him back to the locker room. So that is the communication uh, that took place on field, real time, with multiple people listening in. That was the only directive. Okay, next question, Tom Goldman, NPR. Thanks, Brian. Can you hear me okay? Yes, go ahead, Tom. Okay, this is for uh, Dr. Sills. Dr. Sills, I'm wondering if you could talk in as much detail as possible about the 60-minute meeting, which I assume happened in Cincinnati, and how with so many uh, healthcare professionals on duty, how you prevent what could potentially be a chaotic situation uh, from becoming chaotic. And I guess by that, I mean, you know, how, how tasks are divvied up and so on. Yeah, Tom, thanks for the question. So the 60-minute meeting, I think, is, is one of, if not the most important things we do to prepare for each NFL game. Um, for those of you on the call who are not familiar with it, it happens one hour before kickoff, and hence the name, the 60-minute meeting. But it's a gathering of all the medical personnel at the stadium for both teams and the independent medical personnel and the game referee. So just to go through that list, you've got team physicians, athletic trainers, You've got the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultants, the spotters in the booth. You've got the field paramedics, the airway doctor, the visiting team medical liaison, even the x-ray technicians, the NFL game ops rep. All of those people are there and the referee. And the point of that meeting is to go through the highlights of the emergency action plan to remind everyone um, things such as the location of the emergency equipment, how carts will be brought onto the field to confirm the radio signals because everyone's connected by radio, what radio signals will be used in event of certain situations, as well as hand signals. So to, to explain that a bit further, typically when, when an athlete is injured on the field, the medical training staff of that athlete's team will run out on the field. If they get out on the field and they sense that this is a significant emergency, then they will give a hand signal in addition to the radio signal it's basically an all call, meaning everyone come. Uh, medical staffs of both teams and the independent medical personnel come out onto the field to assist. And then they will proceed into those defined roles and responsibilities. And one of those roles and responsibilities that is identified in that 60 minute meeting is who will be what we call the code leader. Meaning if there is a cardiac arrest, who's going to lead, who's going to be the captain of the ship in that moment to make determinations, decisions about um, various aspects of the resuscitation. So all of that information is covered at every one of our meetings. We have that 60 minute meeting before every single NFL game, whether it's regular season, preseason, international, Super Bowl, they're all the same. And fans never get to see that meeting because it happens underneath the stadium. But as I said, I think it is one of, if, if not the most important things we do to prepare for a game. And I think that you get a sense from who all's involved there, how seriously everyone takes that. And the referee being present is also really key because obviously the referee uh, representing the entire officiating crew has command over the field and can communicate not only with the booth and the spotters, but with the medical staffs on both sides and can help in the response to a variety of medical situations. So it is something that we've been doing um, over the course of the last six seasons. It's made us better. And it is something that, again, I think uh, is applicable to all levels of play. You certainly won't have the number of medical personnel available at, at every level of play in every sport that we do at the NFL. But it's always, I think, a great idea for the medical personnel to gather before the game um, with the people who are uh, running the field and, and talk through those situations so that if they occur, 
again, we're up to date and up to speed about exactly what's going to transpire. And then we can simply fall into that routine and, and taking those steps in, in, in as rapid and efficient a manner as possible. Next question will come from Rachel from ABC News. Hello. Um, I guess this question could be answered by anybody, but is DeMar Hamlin considered a vested player? And if not, what type of resources like severance, health insurance, or disability payments does the NFL plan to provide to him or his family? DeMar is in his second year. So you need to be vested. You need three years, but obviously in situations like this, we, we, we expect God willing that he would recover, uh, but he will, he would get the resources necessary um, to make sure he has what he needs to, to live a, comp a complete life. Okay. Next question, Jonathan Jones, CBS. Thanks, Brian. I think this question is for um, Troy and or Jeff, we uh, obviously the bills, <clears throat> excuse me, have not had media availability since then. So I'm curious in the conversations the league has had, particularly with the bills, but also even with the Bengals, do the Buffalo Bills want to play this weekend? And uh, do, do they want to play this game? And how much is is that being taken under consideration? I could I could just share Jonathan from what just my conversations with with coach and they have 100% been around how's he doing and that was as early as I guess 6 o'clock this morning my last discussion with coach McDermott I have not had any discussions outside of how his mental health is of himself and how are the players? And, and it, this includes uh, Brandon being a general manager. I just not, we just have not had any discussion that has not been, frankly. Um, my concern is to make sure the men um, have what they need to function. And that's getting through this day. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. So that, from my communications with the club and those players has just strictly been around making sure they're okay to check in and being able to access those resources that are available to them. It is tough. And coach is still battling. Okay. Next question. Ken Belson, New York times. Uh, thanks. This uh, question is for Dr. Sills. I, I was just wondering if you could put a little more detail on the emergency action plan um, specifically when you watch the reaction of the uh, team um, uh, staff that run out, uh, there are two uh, 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 men who run out and then there's two more and then they uh, somebody's on a radio basically uh, uh, asking for more help. And then you see a couple of guys with red caps. Can you just sort of give me a sense of the sequence? Do the trainers typically run out first and then um, the physicians or is there an order to how that happens in this case? Well, I think, again, Ken, the initial assessment out on the field for any, any player with any injury is handled by the, that player's medical staff, which typically is an athletic trainer and or one of the team physicians. And then once they get out and, and get that immediate first triage of what the situation is, 
Then, as I said, they'll activate um, the emergency action plan and you'll see the other individuals coming into play. So uh, once again, that involves their colleagues on their own team medical staff, but also the other medical staff, because at that point, there are really no teams. And, and that's not even a consideration for us. We're all physicians and, and athletic trainers. We're healthcare professionals. We take care of patients. Uh, we're not concerned about players at that point as far as who plays for what team. It's how can we help this patient have the very best outcome. The, the red hats that you saw um, are our independent personnel, our unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant, and the um, airway management physician and the visiting team medical liaison. So those are obviously locally based physicians, meaning in that market. And I think you're familiar with the, the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultants. Those uh, are experts in the care of neurotrauma. They may be neurosurgeons, neurologists, emergency physicians, other specialties that, that help us with the concussion protocol, can help with spine injuries, but they're physicians who can help in that response. The airway physician is a, is a very um, specialized physician. That is someone who's been identified and um, who it, it has expertise in the emergency management of airways. So that means Typically, they are either an emergency physician or an anesthesiologist, but they must demonstrate regular and routine care of patients in a trauma setting. That's part of the requirements for that job. And so those individuals are identified locally. They are then approved by the league and the Players Association. And again, both of us take a very um, careful look at those qualifications to make sure that they can place an airway in this exact situation, because obviously securing an airway um, in a trauma patient is very different than securing an airway, for example, in a patient who's being anesthetized for surgery. Those are very different situations. So we want people who have that expertise in that trauma situation, and that's who the airway physician is. The visiting team medical liaison, another one of the red hats, is a local physician, and they are all emergency physicians. They assist the visiting team with all aspects of their care while they're in the city. So from the time they arrive until the time they leave, um, everything from, you know, um, minor medical illnesses that might occur at a hotel, let's say like, um, you know, gastroenteritis or an asthma attack, all the way up to uh, situations on game day and including um, these emergency situations. So once again, that VTML, the visiting team medical liaison and that airway physician, in addition to the team medical staffs and our unaffiliated neurotrauma consultants, they're all considered part of that emergency action team. And then of course you have the, the stadium uh, medical personnel as well, the paramedics, the emergency medicine crew. So each of those individuals has been identified well in advance. Each of them participates in that uh, emergency scenario training that I spoke about earlier. And so um, they are certainly familiar with each other and with roles and responsibilities. And as I mentioned also earlier, they're all obviously present at the 60-minute medical meeting. Okay, let's do a couple more here. Next up, Albert Breer, Sports Illustrated. Yeah, hey, uh, guys, um, just like with respect to the scheduling, I'm just sort of wondering in the seating too, like what your options are right now. And if the idea of pushing the playoffs back a week and um, eliminating the Super Bowl bye week would be on the table um, to get Bills-Bengals in, if canceling the Bills-Bengals game is an option. I'm just sort of wondering what the options are there as far as changing seating to accommodate the teams or or changing the schedule to, to accommodate the teams. and and maybe how much, you know, your experience in 2020 helps out with this. So I, I will begin just again, I, I just literally this morning began just really diving into that, Albert. And all of those things that you just raised from seeding, it, it just really took us back to the principles that guided us through the 2020 season. 
from if, hey, if you're playing all 272, if you're not playing all, how does all of that change? All of those things are being factored in, as Jeff alluded to earlier. So everything is being considered. Um, and hope to dive into that, you know, full steam ahead um, at the conclusion of this call. Um, so uh, still, obviously, we have to dedicate time in, in that particular area. But all of those things that, that you just referenced, those guiding principles that got us through or took us into the 2020 season with COVID, um, all of those things will be things that guide us through this conversation and making sure the proper equity is in place. And as we saw, potentially, uh, there may be a lack of equity um, where there may be, it, it may not be perfect, but it will allow um, those that are participating or have earned that right to play to continue to play. Okay, two more questions, Rob Motti. Rob. Hey, sorry, I had to unmute. Uh, Troy, uh, first off, appreciate your transparency. And given what you said about Sean McDermott, how difficult and emotional this is on the Bills, and since we're at Wednesday and there's game planning, there's preparation, so much goes into making sure a team is ready for a football game, how much consideration are you giving to postponing the Bills-Patriots game as well this week? Again, uh, Rob, we have not had that discussion. We've, we have literally, when I say myself and commissioner and others, are just constantly talking to the clubs and in particular uh, the Bills. It's really important that we just keep the pulse of the coach and the players and don't get in front of that. And we'll, we'll allow Sean and his team and his staff and the players, which are the most important thing here to guide us um, if we have to make that uh, have to make that decision collectively uh, with the club on what's best for for Sean and his team and the players. Okay, last question, Tom Palacero. <laughs> Tom. There we go. Unmuted. Uh, so going back, Troy, to what you said about um, the guiding principles from the COVID era, kind of taking you through how to approach a situation like this. One of those guiding principles was that if there were a situation where one team played an unequal number of games to another team, that winning percentage would uh, determine the playoff seeding. So to that end, if this Bills-Bengals game is not uh, resumed, how would that game, whether it's a tie or a nullified game, how would it be reflected in the standings? So, Tom, so just so that I'm clear, and if you can remember, those principles was it was a one year only. So there were principles that some of those things that we hope that if we need to get there, it, it may it will it will be factored in. So. Keeping in mind, they were guiding principles. One of those guiding principles that was the in season committee talked about the value of winning and winning percentage. So we just need to, you know, really dive into that and make sure that as a commissioner, we give him suggestions that all things have been considered. And that way he can talk to the membership about uh, the proper direction of uh, what's at play. Okay. 
Okay, that will conclude the session. We do appreciate you joining. We'll continue to provide information as it becomes available. Thank you very much. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 